Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good, good. So, Jeff uh, Greenberg, of course, of Under the Headset, Inside the ACC, nice enough to jump on with us to talk a little Tar Heel football. So, um, you know, I, I, I read uh, you, you guys did the betting lines, of course, for week one, and I wanted to start really quickly by asking you about, you know, your choice to pick the Tar Heels in week one. You know, I, I mean, nobody else is even having us cover the line. You're taking us outright. So, you know, when, when it comes to being a part of inside the ACC, are you kind of one of those outsiders on, on this team right now? I think right now, according to what everybody has picked and more particularly what their comments were, I would say yes. Um, but I think, I think that is a factor of what you will see across a lot of prognosticators currently um, that, that – somewhat follow the ACC, but whether you read magazines, websites, what have you, nobody outside of the program really knows what to think of UNC. And I think that is affecting people's opinions more than anything. It's one thing to have a thorough, thoroughly researched and, and vetted out opinion versus having an opinion based on lack of knowledge because they don't know what to think of the team. Those are two distinct different things. Um, I kind of fall more in the ladder of, you know, knowing a bunch about what's going on, who the players are, what's coming back, and that's that's what tilted my upset pick. Well, we know, of course, what inside the ACC, it's going to cover ACC football and everything like that, but under the headset, you know, kind of tell us a little bit about what that is about and uh, and why why you personally like to do it. Yeah, under that headset is more. It's on. It's primarily for college football, but it focuses more on the coaching side of that dynamic. And my goal with under the headset is conversations, discussions, and articles with coaches to give people, both fans and coaches alike, a, a different perspective than you get from the normal press conference. So what that means is. You know, asking them about current events, asking about what's going on with their teams, but also dialing into what their coaching career has been like, the steps they've taken, what kind of coach they are compared to maybe when they started, and what advice they would have for other coaches. You know, it's, it's just to give another perspective, dig a little deeper. I don't think you get to know coaches most of the time just through those press conferences because they tend to be guarded. They tend to not necessarily trust everybody that's sitting in front of them. And so under the headsets, really, you know, the, the, the venue or forum for them to go where they can speak freely and get their um, story out uh, without feeling guarded. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it's uh, it de definitely that's awesome, getting that different perspective that a lot of people just aren't able to give. So let's jump into it and, and focus on this Tar Heel football team that we're going to see out there on Saturday. The first question, I think, has to be with this offense, and that's because last year, 26 points a game, uh, averaged just 369.6 yards of offense per game, easily the worst offense that they have had under Larry Fedora, you know, what does this offense have to do to return to that type of offense that can win games and mostly just, I mean, put points up on the, on the scoreboard? Well, first and foremost, this won't be a surprise to anybody that's followed UNC is number one, stay healthy. <laughs> um, I think, you know, last year was devastating from a injury standpoint. It's been well documented, but you, you, when you really look at what they did last year, you had, 
brand new quarterbacks coming in who had practiced with a certain set of receivers all through the spring, all through the summer, and when they took the field basically after week one, the people they were used to throwing to were no longer out there. Right. So that, that, that affects one thing greatly, um, the compounds, the difficulty of bringing in a new quarterback. Two, the running game was, uh, you know, I would say non-existent, but for a few reasons. Early in the season, non-existent. Let me correct myself. You had two brand-new running backs, one of which was a true freshman, one of which his, his playing time basically consisted of the bowl game the year before. Right. You add to that the devastating injuries across the offensive line, mm-hmm. and that was the key to the struggle of this offense last year was injuries along the offensive line, throwing in the fact that you're, the starting center that you did want to have was a grad transfer, brand new, guy next to him, grad transfer, brand new. Right. The continuity was tough. So when you actually looked at the people that were coming back, like a William Sweet, you know, and then he goes down in week three, it was just very disruptive from an offensive line standpoint. And the key stat, if you really want to go back and look at their difficulty, was yards on first down. It felt like mm-hmm. every time this offense was on the field, they were looking at second and nine, second and ten, second and eight. And it's tough to operate like that when you don't have a secure running game and you don't have a tenured quarterback. It was basically a perfect storm of difficulties. Um, They shored some of that up as the season went along, Mm -hmm. but they were doing it with band-aids. And I think that's going to be the biggest difference between last year and this year is you have experience at the quarterback position now. You have experience on the offensive line. You know, four out of those five guys right now have been together since the end of last season. They went all through spring together, all through the summer together. Mm-hmm. The last and the fall camp, the only position you're really trying to hash out at this point is right guard. But at least both of those options have been with the team um, significantly in terms of spring to fall camp. So you have more optimism, I guess you could say, on the offensive line to start. You have quarterback uh, experience now coming back. And then when you look at the running back and the receivers, you're looking at a completely different picture than last year. Right. Running backs, you've got everybody coming back. You've got mm-hmm. uh, Carter, and I say everybody. You're really talking Jordan Brown, Michael Carter, and then you've got Sutton also ready to go, and mm-hmm. Antoine Branch coming back from injury. But you add in pieces that nobody – and this is the part that I think some folks are missing um, when they're evaluating how UNC is going to be this year is – there is a lot of buzz. I know I've heard you talk about it around Antonio Williams, the transfer in from right. Ohio State. And mm-hmm. not just because he, he came in from Ohio State, so the potential is there, but it's what he's done on campus since he's been at Chapel Hill mm-hmm. that has a lot of people buzzing. I know people were talking about you know uh, Michael Carter's injury and not having him for the Cal game, but I'm not quite sure that Antonio Williams wouldn't have been the starter anyway. So that's something that UNC fans should be optimistic about and should be excited to see how it turns out tomorrow. So you have probably the one of the deepest running back rooms right now that Larry Fedora has had since he's been at UNC. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to tell people, you know, when Antonio Williams transferred in, he was going to have an impact and that this group was one of the better ones, really one of the more under-the-radar type running back groups in the entire country. And and I think you're right. Antonio Williams, you know, we've heard so many things about how he's come in and not only has 
you know, he acclimated to Carolina well. He's become a leader in that room. And and this is a guy that, you know, I mean, clearly you must have a great personality. You must have a great work ethic if you can just walk in and pretty much take over as an as a leader in the room. And I think it's fantastic. I think it's definitely something Tario fans should be encouraged about. And, you know, the running back group, I, I agree with you, is important. Last year, an average third down of third and seven, that has got to change this year. That That is, I mean, especially when you go back and look last year and you mentioned it, all the injuries at wide receiver. I mean, just go and look at the group that was on the field to start the year against Cal. And then you go and watch the game against Pittsburgh and you tell me the differences between those receiving cores. I mean, Josh Cabrera was one of our starters. That's, you know, something that, I mean, I think we can all agree probably uh, shouldn't have happened. We don't want it to reach that point again. You know, the defense, I felt last year, really before the last few games of the season, started to take a step in the right direction. And I still think overall they did take a step in the right direction, in especially in the run defense and a little bit in the pass rush. You know, what do they have to do to become, you know, take that next step and become a group that at least they can, you know, rely on to possibly win them a game or keep them around in games? Well, you just you just hit the nail on the head. You, you talk about experience and the amount of starters they have coming back. But then when you look beyond quote-unquote starters coming back, if you look at the other guys playing, mm-hmm. they've all started at least one or two games before. So what the, what this really means is that experience has to step up. The potential you keep hearing about the defensive line has to be reached. Those right. guys have to reach their potential mm-hmm. and, and step up to the billing that a lot of folks are giving them right now. And on the back end of the defense, those guys have played a lot of snaps. It's now time to not have the mental mistakes. It's now time to make the tackle when the tackle's there to be made. And I think you see guys like Britt and you see guys like Dorn who are going to do that from a safety position. Now it's time to see that same consistency from a Patrice Rene or a Kopman or a KJ Sales and have a complete skill set going. But then, you know, every defense, you talk about linebackers. If we can keep Cole Holcomb healthy, that'll be huge. He played pretty much two-thirds of last season with one arm um, and still finished in the top ten in tackles just like he did the year before. Right. He stays healthy. He's going to do that this year. But you need the young guys around him now to step up. Um, And I would say, you know, Jonathan Smith isn't a young guy, but from an experience standpoint, he is. Now is the time to show that everything – that has been said in the offseason of what he's done to put himself in a position to lead that defense, that has to happen when the lights come on tomorrow in Cal. And the young guys, I think you are going to see some young guys that are going to step up uh, from the linebacking position and be able to make some plays and show a little athleticism that was lacking last year. Because if you really look at the end of the year, um, particularly that last game against NC State, I mean, UNC was missing their top four or five linebackers, period. You had walk-ons playing. You had converted safeties playing linebackers. So this year they have a chance. Starts up front, and then the back end's got to do their job. But the linebackers has a chance to be the uh, the wild card in here. Yeah, I, I would have loved to be in that room when the, uh, the the journalist group that was there found out that Hunter Crayford was starting that game. That must have been a very fun uh 
f- fun moment to go back and try to find some some statistics on him really quickly. So um, last year, of course, An- Anthony Ratliff Williams was definitely the breakout player, kind of a guy that you know people were hearing about a little bit, but maybe wasn't on the radar to break out. You know, when you look at the group this year. Is there maybe that one guy that right now a lot of people aren't talking about, but you think by the end of the year uh, could be that household name? Yes, and I know you and I. I mean, we just talked a little earlier um, about Antonio Williams. So take him off. Take him off the list right now because we already mentioned him. Um, I'm going to think of two guys right now, and one may seem a little boring because no one really thinks about an offensive lineman as a breakout player. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what we're looking at for quarterback. The experience is there, but the health has to be there. Look at William Sweet to have a year that puts him on the NFL map. He's the left tackle. He mm-hmm. was going to he was primed for a big year last year before he had a knee injury. But you're looking at an NFL caliber tackle um, on the blind side that the quarterbacks are going to need to be there to complement what we already have on the right side, what UNC has and, and Charlie Heck. So William Sweet is one, but if you want a flashier name that people are going to hear from, it's going to be Deami Brown, um, freshman wide receiver that has come in from day one, and he does not look like a freshman. And when you're looking and hoping that you have that guy that can take the top off the defense, you already know what Ratliff Williams can do. Imagine if the guy on the opposite side has that same uh, dangerous capability, and it becomes a really hard proposition for the defense to guard at that point. So with all the attention that you're going to see on Ratliff, all the attention I think you're going to end up seeing on the run game, and don't forget Carl Tucker's coming back healthy as a dangerous tight end. It's going to be interesting to see how long teams can leave Diami Brown one-on-one coverage. Yeah, I I mean, Diami Brown has come in and been sensational so far, and, you know, I'm kind of hoping he turns into maybe not on the same level of that take-the-top-off type guy, maybe has a little bit of a more dynamic role as a route runner and maybe can factor in on some of the shorter plays as well. But, you know, I I want him to become that Mac Collins type guy because really since Mac Collins' injury – Back in the 2016 season, we haven't been able to throw the ball all that deep, uh, you know, with success. So, you know, I, I know they've said that Elliott has been working on that, working on his deep passes, and apparently has looked good so far in fall camp. And then, of course, with Deami Brown being there, I think that's going to help him and possibly uh, Antone Green if they need him as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's uh, two great picks. And, yeah, William Sweet is a fantastic one. I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, you look at it and and those two guys anchoring the offensive line at the tackle positions I mean you're talking about guys that if I I mean if it works out right these guys could probably both be top three round picks in the NFL draft down the line so um, you know so now let's turn towards the sort of official prediction Um, you know when you look at it I don't know if you're a guy that really does you know record predictions or maybe you just have a win number in mind but you know kind of where do you see this team finishing this year yeah and that's one of those things that's again I think is being um, underplayed by folks that don't know what to see with this team Um, because last year was not really a good snapshot for people to judge this year by and I think even when you were asking about breakout players there's probably going to be a lot of people or a lot of players that people think are breakout players because no one knows anybody on this team right now from the outside. Right. So I think that's what has affected other people's predictions when it comes to records. And, I mean, you see people saying UNC um, 
looking at another three and nine season, another four and eight season, something of those lines. I just don't see it right now, barring some kind of disaster from a health standpoint. When I look at the games that they can win, they can go to Cal tomorrow and they can win that game. Right. They can win next week against ECU. Mm-hmm. They can win at home against UCF if they protect the football and play the defense that they should be able to play with the returners back. But it's a, it's it's an up and down schedule. There's obviously tough games, but you know when I'm looking at win totals, you know my my brain says seven and five is totally doable. Yeah, totally doable. Mm-hmm. My heart says you know you get you get something rolling. Eight and four is not out of the question. Now, does does that also mean if if something somebody stubs their toe, you know, like you know if um, an injury or two that we can't afford, the UNC can't afford. You know, six and six also enters the table, but the the talent that's on the team, the experience they have, um, and more importantly, the position these guys find themselves in right now. If you go in that locker room, if you go to the practices, they know that they are being overlooked by everybody. Mm-hmm. They know that no one's given them a chance, and they know that right now everybody's focused on other teams, and they like that. They like where they stand right now, and they like the effort they put into. A few coaches have given me the quote, basically echoing each other, that they are having a ton of fun coaching the guys in that locker room right now, and that tells me something. Yeah, I mean, it it sort of has that feel, and I don't want to get people too pumped up, but sort of that 2014 um, you know, we come off the six and seven season and then into 2015, you know, that off season, nobody was talking about the team. They were kind of just like, this team is really not going to be all that good. They're probably going to be another average team is Marquise Williams, really that type of guy. So yeah, I, I mean, it, it does feel a little bit eerily similar, but I, I, I'm not sure that 11 wins, please Tar Heel fans do not take that as we should be winning 11 games. Um, so, you know, no, I, I guess. Think, hey, I think your point is, is is valid, though, in terms of what the feel is like inside the program right. from 14 to 15 coming off last year to this year. Again, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. 11 and 1 is not what we're talking about here. <laughs> but what we are talking about is the attitude that can put wins on the board. I think this right. year's schedule is not is a little harder than the 15 schedule, so that For affects sure. things. Mm-hmm. But you you are not far off in terms of what the attitude and the aura is, I guess you could say, inside that locker room right now. So Larry Fedora right now is pretty much – he's one of those hot seat candidates, I, I guess. It kind of depends on who you talk to. But th- this is my question. I've been asking all of the journalists this. When the 2019 season starts, when we're sitting here a year from today, is Larry Fedora the guy that's going to still be the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels? Yes, and I've I've kind of heard a lot of the different takes and different mm-hmm. comments on people um, when you've asked them that question, and there's some there's some fair takes, and then there's just some takes that you know everybody's looking for headlines, and they, everybody loves to talk about hot seats and whatnot, but. Barring, again, a complete disaster, which would be, you know, hard to replicate last year's disaster from a health standpoint, Larry Fedora will be coaching this team in game one, 2019. The other part is when you think about some of the, I guess I would say, uh, manufactured drama around part of the offseason. Right. uh, If you really dug deeper into some of those things and really found who came out in support of 
Coach Fedora when it came to his comments about this or that. Uh, people needed to take a step back and at least look, judge his actions more than his words and see where he actually falls in a lot of that those debates. But I think no matter what, he's still going to be judged primarily about what happens on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I heard you mention with someone, and it was you know correctly stated, Bubba Cunningham has a ton of confidence in Larry Fedora. Right. Uh, I just did an interview with Gene Chizik where you know he just made the simple statement that going three and nine in one year doesn't mean that Larry Fedora got stupid overnight. He won a ton of games coming into last year, 13 and four in the ACC. He's got a good core group of people on this team right now that can put some wins up. And let's not forget the 2017 disaster that was three and nine still was able to turn in a top 25 recruiting class, which is actually his best class since he's been here. So let's not necessarily start writing obituaries and act like the wheels have fallen off until we see what these guys do under the lights this season. Jeff Greenberg of Under the Headset, inside the ACC.com. Fantastic stuff, man. And uh, yeah, guys, if you get a chance, go check it out. It's it's awesome stuff, and he knows his stuff about the Tar Heels. I mean, you just heard it right there. Um, yeah, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is fantastic. I hate that you were not able to be a part of the actual preview podcast, but uh, we'll definitely get you up there, and uh, I, I I think people are really going to love it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. I think your preview podcast was excellent for those fans out there that are clamoring for that last-minute stuff that they want to uh, read or, or listen to prior to tomorrow's game. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, looking forward to it. I know you are. And, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on uh, some other time down uh, the line and, and get you on here to talk a little bit more about Tario football. I know you uh, you have conversations with Coach Fedora, too, so could bring a different insight that maybe some of the other guys aren't able to bring for us. Would love to do it, man, anytime. All right, man. You take care. Thank you.